Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Welcome. The Word of Hope sermon series is a ministry of Grace Family Church of Rhode Island. It was instituted to bring sound teachings from the Word of God to as many people as possible. Our purpose is to offer you a message that is quite practical and contemporary that brings the Word of God to light in a way that makes sense in your daily life. As you listen to this message, it is our hope and prayer that the Lord will bless you through it and bring you hope, comfort, and guidance. And now, Pastor Kotze. During the conference in Palm Springs, one of the pastors went out for a hike in the desert. He was supposed to be an experienced hiker, but when the meetings started that morning, he didn't show up. His wife was worried, and worried sick, because we were having peaks of close to 130 degrees in those days. And although that was early in the morning, you know what it is to be out in the desert and be stranded there. The hours passed, and he wasn't, he wasn't showing up, and the sheriff had prepared for a full-out search for him. And just before he launched the search, this man showed up. And, of course, his wife was quite relieved. The sheriff and all the rescue forces that had been gathered were quite relieved that he was alive. But it was quite drained, because I don't know why he forgot to bring the water with him. But that walk in the desert, in the scorching heat of the sun, and the dryness and the dustiness of the dirt, caused him to be quite weak. He was so drained and tired. The the one thing he needed the most was a drop of water. You can imagine Jesus leaving Jerusalem and traveling north through a deserted land, a dry, scorched land walking for hours and hours and hours in the dust and everything. The scripture says he was weary from the travel. And so he sat at the well, but he didn't have anything to draw the water with. So when the Samaritan woman arrived at the well, he says, Could you give me a drink, please? And perhaps it was the thirst of this man that stood before her that made her think of her own thirst in life. And so it is that when... Jesus talked to her. Well, at first she was quite shocked and surprised. Somehow she had recognized from his clothing and his accent that he was a Jew. And whoa, the Jews don't talk to the Samaritans, and women especially. But Jesus did talk to her. He did reach out to her and offered her something strange. Living waters. Running, flowing, crystal clear spring water at a well. So obviously this Samaritan woman was double puzzled because on one hand she was shocked that this man would even talk to her. On the other hand, he offered her crystal clear running spring water 
at a well, and he didn't even have anything to draw the water, so that he actually had to ask her, could you please give me a little cup of water to drink? But notice what Jesus said to her. That living water was not something from humans. That living water was something that would come from God. It was offered by God. It was coming from God. And it's not something you can actually work for. Because Jesus said it is a gift. If you had a clue of who was standing in front of you and talking to you, you would ask God for that gift. That implied that the person should acknowledge who was talking to her. That was Jesus, the Messiah. And that we receive that living water by asking, not by working. So there are four important elements in there that distinguish that statement from anything else. It is something that comes from God and not from man, nor from a land or, the, or, or, or from a well. It is something that is given to us as a gift and is dependent on our acknowledgement of Jesus and our belief in Jesus as the Messiah to the point of asking for it. So he replied to her. And replied to her in, in, in a such a way that he was leading her gradually to come away from her physically, carnally oriented mind to meet him at a much greater, much higher level, the spiritual level. He reminded her, well, the things of this earth are going to make you thirsty again. If you think in terms of quenching your thirst, quenching your desires, quenching your needs with the things of this world, i.e. the water of the well, you will become thirsty again. But you see, Jesus was not quite addressing the water of the well. He was addressing her life. If you're trying to quench your thirst with the things of this world, you'll be thirsty again. You'll be scorched dry. But the living water that we receive from him will satisfy us. You know, there is something that he said about that living water. He said, if we partake of it, we will never be thirsty again. Oh, when we try to fill our thirst and hunger for righteousness and for God with the things of this world, we get thirstier and thirstier and more and more disappointed. But when we finally reach to the source and the tap of that living water, Jesus Christ, he said, you will no longer be thirsty. Well, that sounded appealing to her. He said, he will fill us completely, so to the point that we, it will actually overflow from us. And at the, as it overflows from us, it will turn into a blessing to many people around us. Because it cannot be contained. Because it is a living water. Not a stagnant water. But the woman didn't quite get it yet. She was still stuck in her human ways. And so she said, well, Lord, <laughs> oh, I wish I could have that water so I could never be thirsty again. And I wouldn't have to come to this well to draw the water. And little did she know how much truth she said. She didn't have a clue that what she stated there was actually a truth of her life. Oh, Lord, I wish I could have that water so that I don't have to go back to the things that I use, the things of this world with which I try to satisfy myself, and I wouldn't have to come back to them and back to them and back to them and try to work it out and try to work it out. I would be finally be satisfied, and I wouldn't have to go through all those loops and ordeals that I go through in life. But, of course, she had no clue still. God was still working with her. 
You know, we can hear about him and these things for a while, and God still works in us. Praise God, he's patient. So Jesus now changed the the approach, and he became more direct. She somehow was ready, but wasn't quite getting it. So Jesus became more direct and confronted her in her sins, and it actually revealed right out what she was using to quench her spiritual thirst. And he said, well, could you call your husband? And she said, well, I I don't have a husband, truthfully. Because as Jesus pointed out, she had five husbands before, and the one that she was living with was not her husband. So Jesus confronted her and told her right out, and she said, you spoke the truth. She spoke the truth earlier, too, but she didn't even realize that. Just like many other people around you, many people you know, maybe even some of us, we hop from relationship to relationship, trying to find the fulfillment that we're lacking. Trying to find that spark. You know, maybe the next person I'll meet will be just the right one. Maybe then I will be satisfied. But then that person doesn't satisfy us, and so we go and look for another relationship, and then another, and another. Look around and see how much of that thirst is around there, around you, around your house, around your neighborhood, around your family. And Oh, other people don't use relationships, they use sex. Others don't use sex, they use liquors. Others use drugs. Others use other things. But one thing that is common is to all of us is the fact that God created every single one of us with that thirst is a God-given thirst. He created us in His image and likeness to need a relationship with Him and to have that thirst and the hunger for Him. But we try to fill it with everything else on the face of the earth except for Him. And so was she. At this point, she acknowledged Him as a prophet. She was shocked. But then she found another excuse, and she she started like many people do. You see, there are a lot of people that will find a million excuses not to be involved in church, for instance, or in Christ. And so did she. She says, I can perceive that you're a prophet, but you know, you guys say that we have to go to Jerusalem to worship, and we worship over here. So you see, there is a little bit of an incompatibility there. There is an issue of where we should worship and where we shouldn't. So Jesus just kicked it. And dismissed it. And he said, you know what? You guys don't know what you're talking about because prophecy says it is from Judah that the Messiah should arise and should come. But then he also immediately went on to say the day has come where people will not just worship in Jerusalem or here in Samaria. Because God is looking for true worshipers. And he pointed out that the true worship is not what you're doing in the temple. The true worship is not what you do with your body, but the true worship is to worship God in spirit and in truth. And so that argument, too, was dismissed. She was left with no excuse. And then the Spirit of God convicted her. And as she was convicted, when the disciples came back, she, she ran into town. And she started telling everybody... You know, there is a man that told me everything I've done, and he, he told me everything that is inside me that nobody could know. Could he be the Messiah? Come and see. 
The first thing she did, she went out and shared that joy of having found the Messiah with other people and told those people, come and see for yourselves. And many people of that town went to Jesus Christ, and many that day believed in him, and they went back to the town saying to the Samaritan woman, it is not because of what you said that we believe, but we have seen, we have seen and heard of ourselves. Have you seen and heard yourself? Can you say the same thing as the Samaritan did back then and say, you know, it's not because of what you, you're telling me that I believe, because I, of what I see and taste and what I have experienced in the presence of Jesus Christ that I believe. Think about that. Because once you're filled with that water, that water cannot just stay in you. It has to flow. Because the water that stays in you stagnates and putrefies and it gets pretty stinky. And it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't bless anyone. If, any, if anything, kills you and others around you. But when that water flows, and that is the true water of God, that living water that Jesus Christ is talking about cannot be contained. And it blesses all around. There is a need. There is an awful need. I've been agonizing over this sermon because there are so many things that I wanted to bring to your attention, so many things I wanted to remind you of that I mentioned in the past, and so many things I have not had the chance to mention yet, but I wanted to share with you. So much out there that is going on, so much pain, so much dryness, so much scorched land that is so dry that is cracking up and it's falling to pieces, and I'm talking about people, not just the ground, that I don't even know where to begin, to be honest with you. The need is there. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. And a lot is at stake in there. A lot of people around us are living in a desert. In a spiritual desert. And maybe even some of us. I I hope not. But maybe even some of us in some ways. In some occasions. In some ways. Some aspects of our life. We still experience that desert. Tired. Drained. Desperately looking for my what may quench our thirst but here he is calling out with a loud voice come and I'll give you living water you know in Palm Springs we drive through the desert to get to that place and there's absolutely nothing there it makes me appreciate my brown lawn I used to complain my, my lawn was turning brown because we had a drought over here. And after driving through the desert, I said, God, please forgive me because I'm spoiled. And then all of a sudden, you see this oasis right in the middle there, green. Suzanne got all excited and she said, look, look to the right, desert. Look to the left, green, vegetation, stuff. It's a matter of perspective. You know, have you ever noticed how spring water comes from a rock? Who's the rock? Jesus Christ. Interesting, isn't it? Do you know that all the water that is contained in the cisterns that we make, that we carve in the stone ourselves, rots and putrefies and is very unappealing? And yet to the person who's dying of thirst in the desert, even that water is appealing. And that's why so many people go for it. That's why so many people dive in it and they try and they try to drink as much as they can of it because they are so thirsty and so dry and so needy that anything 
Even that stagnant water looks like a beautiful, awesome treasure. I want to share with you a couple of things that perhaps will enable you to think a little more about it and meditate on that. We've been talking about the desert. Well, the Bedouins in the Sahara Desert, they have a certain way to handle their need for water when they cross the desert. There's always a leader in a caravan. Why? Because that leader has gone through there before and knows where the oases are, where the springs are, where the water can be found. It's a life-saving knowledge. But as, as that leader approaches those positions, sometimes the landscape changes, so they need to send out scouts to look for it. So what does he do? He sends out one camel with a person, of course, right? one person on the camel ahead. He waits a few minutes, and then he sends another person out. He waits a little while and sends another person out. You know what happens is that when the first person finds the water, he turns around and shouts, Come! There is water here. The second person turns around and tells the, person, the third person, Come! And the third one to the fourth, and so on, until the whole caravan hears the shout, Come to the water! And everyone is very excited at that point, and everyone is ready to go to that water. It reminds me of what Jesus Christ sent us to do. You are the scouts. All of you scattered in a desert that is this world around us. And each scout has a job. And the job is simply to look for the water. And when the water is found, to, sh- to look back and shout, Come! Come to the water. Have your thirst quenched. So where do you call them? You say, well, come and see for yourself. And the very first place that we send the people to, we call the people to, we invite the people to, is the church. So what's the church supposed to be like? Well, there was a hospital right here in the U.S. It was a hospital. It was a newly built hospital. It was absolutely fabulous. And obviously, as every hospital, it had a fire system, fire protection system. It was quite complex. Sprinklers everywhere, hoses, you know, fire extinguishers. But in every single ward, in every single wing, there had to be a hose. And in every single room, there had to be sprinklers. Plus the smoke doors and the fire doors, which are different from the smoke ones and so on, and all the barriers so that the fire would not spread. And everybody felt quite safe. They would go through that. They would see all this sprinkler system. They would see the holes in there. And they knew. that. And they had drills every so often. And some nurses said, yeah, I know about those drills. All right? Always in the most inopportune time they come. Right? But they knew that if a fire broke out, they were well protected there. Until one engineer checked it out and found out that the fire system was never connected to the water main of a town. So you go. When the fire comes, I don't care how many hoses you have. I don't care how many sprinklers you have. I don't care how many programs you have. I don't care how many ministries you have. I don't care how many leaders you have. I don't care how much status quo you have in the church. If that church is not tapped on to the source of that water that is Jesus Christ, that is absolutely worth nothing. That's why 
our number one priority is to make sure that every single pipe and every single sprinkler and every single hose is tapped on to the living water of Jesus Christ, and that is priority number one. Because lacking that, you're wasting your time, I'm wasting my time, we are good for nothing. Just like that beautiful fire system in that hospital. But once we are tapped in, oh man, we got something to say to that fire, and we got a job that we can do. The lesson comes from Israel as well. God sent the prophet Jeremiah to tell the Israelites that there were two sins of which the Israelites had been guilty. One sin, and we find that in Jeremiah 2.13. In fact, let me read it for you. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And that is the story of every single one of us, humanly speaking, and many, many people are stuck in there all around us as well. The two sins, one, forsaking God. Forsaking God and not looking up to Him to fill that need, that thirst and the hunger that we have inside. And then carving cisterns that are actually broken cisterns to satisfy our thirst. People do that all the time. They turn around and they look for sin to find satisfaction. And that's a broken cistern because it doesn't even hold the stagnant, putrid, repugnant water that normally would contain. Even that is lost. And so what do they do? They try to fill it again and fill it with more and fill it with more, but that is lost. And it runs away because that cistern is cracked. And so they look for more. And pretty soon they're caught in a web of strife of looking for something that might even satisfy their life, and nothing absolutely does. That's the ways of Satan. Satan will lure people with all sorts of glimmery stuff, but then the reality is so deadly and so dry. Not only will not quench your thirst, it will make you even more dry and more thirsty. The German army in, in, in Africa going through the desert saw a pipeline that the British had put in there, and as soon as they saw the pipeline and they heard the gargling of the water inside the pipeline, they took their rifles and they shot in the pipeline and caused the water to come out and immediately ran to that and started drinking. And then before they realized that they had already drunk a little bit of that, all of a sudden the acknowledgement was it was salt water. It's just like the ways of Satan. You're better off not to drink any. Because if you drink salt water in the desert, you're in for serious trouble. That battalion of a German army surrendered in themselves immediately after that. Because they couldn't stand being in a desert filled with salty water. In Isaiah 55, though, God gives us a solution. And you know, the solution is not to go and carve another cistern. The solution is not go and try to find some other way to fix the crack in the system that we have. The solution is not to try to go and redo the same model of church that we had before. The solution is not to go back and relive the same kind of life we lived all along. Because that would be going from one system to another. Isaiah 55 verse 1. Yo, everybody. And that's really what it says in Hebrew. Yo, everyone. Everyone who thirsts, 
come to the waters. It sounds like the call of a Bedouin that was up ahead as a scout. Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? Why do you waste your resources? Why do you waste your life looking for things that will never quench that thirst and hunger? And your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me, says God, and eat what is good. And delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. And that covenant was a covenant in and through Jesus Christ. He is that living water. That's why the Samaritan woman, at the end of that passage that we read... He told her, I am he, the one who stands right in front of you. I am the Messiah. I am that living water that you need. It's offered for free. It's a gift. The call is out there. But God needs more scouts. Jesus said the harvest is plenty. Pray, not that the harvest comes into the barn. It doesn't say, yo, Christians, you know. You all look so good. Just sit in your armchairs comfortably, as comfortable as you can. And if God wants it, he'll bring the harvest right here in the barn. No way. God says, pray the Lord of a harvest. It's not your harvest, it's his harvest. Pray the Lord of a harvest that he will send laborers out there to the harvest. It's the laborers that need to go out, not the harvest that needs to come in. Likewise here. There is a cry, a call. Come to the waters. And Jesus said, be my scouts. Go out there. And as you find these people that need water, tell them, I know where the oasis is. I know where the spring water is. I know where the water of life is. Come and see. Will we want to be like the Samaritan woman and share that living water with everyone else? You know, there is only one choice that you have, that we all have. And we can choose that. We have to choose between those two things. One choice is that we are either going to be like the Sea of Galilee or we're going to be like the Dead Sea. You know, there are only two seas in Palestine. The Sea of Galilee and the, and the Dead Sea. Both those seas receive the same identical amount of water from the River Jordan. Now, here comes the Sea of Galilee, which is... You know, the, the apostles were uh, uh, fishing in there. All around is green and there is life. And that, that sea supports life all around. It's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. But the one characteristic of the Sea of Galilee is that it gives out the exact amount of water that it receives from the River Jordan. It gives it out. The Dead Sea gumbles it all in and gives out nothing. But there is absolutely no life in it. See, those are the only two choices that we all have. We have no third choice. We either receive this living water from Jesus Christ and share it and let it pour to other people around us, and we will be filled with life individually and collectively as a church, or we are going to stagnate and die like the Dead Sea. There are no other choices present in here. That is the only choice that we have. And we can do it individually 
And last week we explained how some people misunderstand that, and therefore they come up and say, well, that's not for me. Well, wait a second, it's for everyone. If we understand it correctly, we understand how easy actually it is. But I refer you back to last week's sermon. Collectively, we can do that again, and we are doing it. Let me give you a couple of examples. Next week, we're going to have a children's service. We're going to have a special children's service with a special worship for the children with the children. And you know what? Every single one of you have nephews, nieces, sons and daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, great, 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 great grandsons and daughters. I'm, I'm just exaggerating a little bit. But you know what I'm getting at, okay? We all know children that could, could, could use it, that could be blessed by that. Invite them. Don't tell them, come and join my church and we'll make you sign a commitment for life. No one is asking that. It says, you know what? We're going to have a special presentation that is just for the kids, and we're going to have a cartoon, and we're going to have some children, children's songs that we can all enjoy together, and invite them. Because they may just find a way to see and meet that water that Jesus Christ is offering to them. Two weeks from now, we're going to have a very special service. And this is one that you don't want to miss for anything in the world, because if you miss it, you're going to regret it. It's about disappointment in life. Do you know anyone who, do you know anyone who never experienced disappointment? Okay, so you see, it speaks to everyone, doesn't it? There is not one person on earth that has not experienced disappointment. So two weeks from now, you have a service which will be extremely inspiring because the testimonies that will be bringing in and the material that will be brought in is nothing short of awesome. And if you're not touched by those testimonies, here's my prescription. Go to God and have your heart checked (laughs) because there's something wrong with it. Those testimonies are absolutely awesome. God has done some incredible work, and you will see them. One is a little older. One is a little more recent, right? You've heard it in the news yourself, in fact. And, and the outcome of that will be presented in this service. But nobody that you know has not been touched by disappointment in one way or the other. So invite them, bring them in and say, you know what? There is something there that is really going to speak to you. Or there's something that can really benefit you. Bring the people in. Invite the people. This is your chance to go out as scouts and say, yo, come to the water. And you can say that. Now, they are also free to say, no, thanks. But if they're thirsty at that moment and you tell them, you know, there's something that's going to quench your thirst in there. They may just be like the Samaritan woman. They may not get it right away, but they will want it because it appeals to them. So that's one thing we can do collectively, all together as a congregation. We are working in that. We are doing that. We will do more. I'm going to talk to Jim right afterwards because a door that just opened. God is working miracles like crazy. As we were taking a walk I mentioned earlier, someone all of a sudden walked up to us and start talking about, wouldn't it be awesome when Jesus comes back? So I said, yeah, and I can't wait for it. And within three minutes, we were counseling this woman because she's having serious, serious marital problems because she's dry and thirsty, and her husband is dry and thirsty. We were at the edge of a pond, incidentally, watching the sunset. It's kind of interesting that people who are thirsty, sometimes they go to the water but they don't even realize what they need. 
Father, we thank you so much. We praise you. We thank you so much for the living water that you make available to all of us. We were all dying, thirsty and hungry for something and had no idea, no clue what we were thirsty and hungry for until you came in the picture. And you told us what we needed and we accepted it because we accepted you. And you, Lord Jesus, are the living water. We thank you for coming into our life. But please help us not to be like the Dead Sea. We don't want to be so selfish that we would take and drink of that living water that you give us and never share with anybody else, Father, because that is so against, so against everything you stand for. It's against everything you died for. We want to be like the Sea of Galilee, filled with life, giving out as much as you give us, sharing with everybody else, around us according to the opportunities and the ways and the gifts and the passions that you gave us but sharing that water that you gave us father so that nothing not one drop of it may be wasted lord jesus as you were living on this earth not once you performed a miracle for yourself not once you used your power as god to meet your own need but every single time you ministered to someone else we want to be like you, Jesus. And we praise you and thank you for your calling. Grant us to be your scouts and to be able to call to other people, come to the water and let them respond to that calling, Father. We ask your blessing on the strategy meeting later today. That your spirit may be powerfully present in there and that we may all be led by you to lay out the course and the path to understand better the work you are doing in us and through us, so we can all work together, Father. We praise you and thank you, and we commit it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen.